folks, and welcome back to another episode of your Brains Coach podcast. My name is Angela Shurina. I'm your host. I'm your Brains Coach, and it is my job here to bring to you all the best cutting-edge recent brain-body tools so you could make the best decisions and you could feel, look, and do your best. Because it's all in the quality of our decisions that define how we're going to feel, how we're going to look, and what we're going to do. The trick is, the art, the science, is to figure out how to set up your environment, internal and external, so you're much more likely to make the kind of decisions that make you feel, look, and do your absolute best. Uh, All that is to say that um, a lot of things that we do in our life. They are in direct consequence of other things. And when we start um, self-analyzing and we start looking for the reason why we do things in a certain way, sometimes desirable, sometimes undesirable, we don't often trace that to the original source, so to speak, to the root, where it actually originates from. Like, to give you my example, I used to have problems with emotional eating. I didn't even know it was a problem with emotional eating. I thought that, you know, for some reason, I would just overeat all these sweets and cookies, and actually, I would overeat a lot of food. And I didn't realize at that point that that was a way of me to handle my emotions, to handle stress in life, to um, change how my body felt uh, without having any other better tools. And then I also didn't realize that the way I was eating, I developed uh, those, you know, overeating habits, changed my brain in a way that made this overeating or binge eating, you know, or emotional eating, uh, that made it into a cycle, a thing that happened over and over and over again. Um, and once I first figure out what was happening to my brain, actually the full picture I only recently figured out because the research just wasn't there. Nobody was talking about that. Um, but the first thing I realized quite some time ago uh, while going through coaching certifications and working on recovery and stress management, emotional regulation, I realized that I wasn't regulating my emotions and my stressors. I didn't have any other tools. And that's how my brain figured out, okay, you don't have any other tools, let's use the tool that all human beings learn when we were kids. What am I talking about here? Well, when you uh, cried as a baby, when you got upset, your mom, your caregiver, uh, your grandma, perhaps, would give you some food to soothe you. And, uh, you know, food is a sustenance, it's nourishment, and it does have calming effect, comforting effect. And so as a kid, you would feel better. And then as an adult, you kind of, most of us never uh, relearn or unlearn this habit to manage our negative emotions with substances, with foods. It's kind of like the easiest form of, of, and that comes naturally at this point to manage our emotions. And we never learn other tools that are actually better and then that don't have side effects. For me, it was just being on this constant roller coaster of 
having difficult emotions and not addressing them and then overeating and feeling, you know, for a little bit better, but then the problems never went away, right? And then uh, having this, if you know, like feeling that, well, why did I do that? You know, I didn't want to do that. Why do I do those habits? Yeah, you know, like self... Uh, negative self-talk, and uh, then the cycle would repeat. Uh, and until I started to practicing breath work, until I started um, going out in nature more, until I started paying attention to my relationships, until I learned how to just sit with the discomfort and do nothing about it, like literally nothing, just feel uncomfortable emotion and do nothing about it. And guess what? You don't die. Nothing happens. Actually, something happens. Your emotions eventually change. All of that, you know, we're going to talk about emotional regulation when it comes to weight loss uh, next week. This week is about another thing. So I didn't address all of these things. I didn't know how my brain worked. And that's why I got this pattern. Once I addressed my emotions, once I understood how food worked and how it was changing my brain, I took an experiment. And folks, today we are talking about, uh, as you guessed from the title of the podcast, we're talking about how food rewires your brain and how it makes you addicted to that pattern of eating two specific foods. So uh, at some point, I took this experiment. I decided that I no longer gonna... I noticed that only certain foods would make me overeat and would start this uh, binge. Uh, and those were foods were processed foods. Pre usually for me, that was with sweets, uh, you know, processed like flowers, I don't know, cookies, bread, um, anything like sweet, sweet drinks, not so much, but chocolates, candies. But then, you know, I would start eating everything else, a lot of it. And uh, I decided for the next year, I'm going to eat nothing but whole unprocessed foods. Meaning I could eat fruit, I could eat vegetables, I could eat nuts and seeds, but only if they're not roasted raw, without salt, without anything added. Um, I could prepare my meals, you know, eat proteins. If uh, it was, uh, I also even said to myself, I'm not going to add any oil to my food. I'm going to eat only foods that I chew. So it's not smoothies. Uh, you know, I actually did this experiment with a few of my clients who uh, couldn't manage their like hunger, their appetite naturally. And even with smoothies, they would overconsume them. I'm like, from now on, for a month, you're not going to make any smoothies. You're going to chew all of your food. And guess what, folks? Most people who go with me on this experiment, even for a month, eating nothing but foods in their natural state, meaning you have to chew them. And if you cook them, it's minimum. And, you know, you saute it, boil it, uh, steam that, and then add salt, and that's it. So make your food as boring as it possibly can be. And um, as we talked on our last podcast, of course, you first want to make sure that you eat, know how to eat the essential nutrients, your proteins, your essential fats, etc. So that's like step number one. Step number two is eat what I call these days low dopamine diet or basically boring diet of foods. What we know from now, 
boost or trigger your dopamine release much less. Um, Lynn Norton, on social media, he goes uh, by the handle as BioLane. He often talks about, um, you know, different topics and research-based nutrition and fitness and exercise and weight loss, etc. And he misspells different myths or mistakes or mistruth. Um, and at some point, uh, he talked about how food isn't a drug because nobody goes to the store to some store and drops a store, you know, nobody develops like a life-threatening addiction. Well, we can argue with that, obviously, because obesity rates are growing and they do increase uh, life-threatening diseases and people die 10, 15 years uh, earlier than they should have been. So, you know, you might argue. Um, and what I didn't like about Lane uh, Norton's logic is that, well, just because somebody doesn't rob a bank because of that, because the effect isn't as strong as, let's say, with cocaine, cocaine, or how do you, whatever you call it, uh, you know, not a drug specialist. Well, just because the uh, intensity of this drug-like substance that a lot of modern foods became is not as strong as from the strongest drug doesn't mean it doesn't have the same effect on a smaller scale. And Anna Lemke, one of the leading researchers on addiction, specifically she is a... Um, She's an expert on dopamine and how different behaviors, substances cause the dopamine behave in different ways and how it causes addiction that then interferes with our normal life. So yes, nobody goes and drops a bank, a store or kills people because of um, food like sweets, etc. But people do compromise their life. People do start prioritizing food instead of uh, building positive relationship. People stay up late, uh, eat a lot of food, uh, watch drug-like entertainment, Netflix, you know, where they basically design it that way so you never stop watching. And people, again, don't build relationships. People don't put that much work into their studies, into their career development. People don't put work into their fitness and health, even though they know it might be suffering. So people do compromise their life because of their eating habits. And it's not, again, doesn't work like, let's say, again, cocaine or whatever other drugs out there. But Anna Lemke also agrees with me fully that those are drug-like substances. A lot of things in our modern environment were drugified. Uh, that goes for entertainment, that goes for social media, that goes for food. And by drugify, she meant uh, they're more available, basically limitless availability. Uh, the quantity of them is limitless as well. There is novelty, you know, there is always new snack, new flavor, etc. And the way they trigger our dopamine release in our brain more is more like a drug, like no natural substance would create that dopamine spike that, for example, highly processed food do. And so all of this to say, folks, I want you to understand one thing, why I actually call my approach a low dopamine diet, because the core aspect of it is for some period of time, just like you would do with drugs, you have to abstain 
from eating processed foods entirely for the reason of the effect it has on your dopamine. And when you consume those foods, when I consume those foods on a regular basis, your brain is wired in a way to seek out the same high dopamine response. Unfortunately, um, I don't know, unfortunately or not, but natural foods do not produce that high. And that's why no matter how much, I don't know, apples or bananas you eat, you're not going to feel as, I don't know, good, I guess, as eating um, ice cream. It's just not going to happen. Not the same uh, amount of calories, of fat, of sugar, of flavor, uh, etc. that cause that higher dopamine spike that your brain actually seeks out because in our natural environment, higher uh, dopamine spike meant um, there was some food reward that was hard to find, for example, more calories, right? And in our natural environment, that was totally fine. You wouldn't be finding all of that, you know, foods that produced relatively higher dopamine spike. But our brain still works the same way. The higher the dopamine spike is, the more addictive the substance or behavior is. You know, some people get addicted to porn. Yeah, there was a case uh, on Andrew Huberman's podcast, they discussed that somebody was even addicted to just the the drinking process, like water or whatever. Uh, first, somebody, that person was addicted to alcohol, but then they switched to other liquids. Anyhow, so people get addicted to a lot of stuff, but specifically to the stuff that caused that dopamine spike. And the more dopamine spikes, the faster, the more addictive the substance is. And with foods nowadays, they are manufactured that way to produce that higher bliss point, that higher dopamine spike. And it's very hard then for a lot of people, not for for, for all of the people. Some people's brain are wired differently. Not sure why, probably nobody knows why. But as we can see from obesity rates and how many people have problems with different substances, most of the brains seem to be sensitive to that factor. The more your dopamine is spiked, is boosted, the more the substance is addictive and the more you're going to go after it regularly. And so the abstaining from it is necessary to start rewiring your brain. I know for some people it can be a month. I took a year. Like, I took a year. I felt the month was not enough. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it wasn't. But for a lot of people, even months is not enough. So let's say you take half a year, you take a year, <clears throat> and you eat only whole foods, treat it as an experiment, foods that do not spike your dopamine as much. And yeah, at first, it's going to feel like it sucks, your life might feel a little bit more boring, and you'll have to deal with a lot of things that you haven't dealt before, and that part we're going to cover on our podcast next week. But you're going to start finally getting in touch with your natural hunger, your natural appetite that don't drive you crazy, that make you stop when you're full and that don't compromise your life. You're going to become a much healthier emotionally, a more balanced person in life just by doing this one thing, folks, eating a low dopamine diet. And by that, I mean, make your food boring. Eat your foods that you have to chew, <clears throat> that comes in a form that that is natural, 
meaning, you know, you eat your meat, you eat your fish, you eat your fruit, you eat your vegetables, just like they were in nature, not dried, not juiced, not smoothied. I would recommend to even avoid smoothies for that experiment for a lot of people, even that would be necessary. Again, if you want to eat nuts and seeds, non-salted, uh, non-roasted, just their plain form. When you cook, cook boring meals. Uh, Put some salt, maybe a little bit of spice, but not too much. Again, keep your food boring so it doesn't spike your um, dopamine. I would also recommend, for, especially for those of you folks who are looking to get into your ideal body weight um, faster and easier to eliminate all the added oils, uh, any sorts of flavorings, any sorts of uh, in half, like flavor enhancers, just natural food salted and you'll be surprised um, how fast you gonna start eating the way you're supposed to eat. If you don't believe me, again, take this experiment. And back to the idea that our society, and I talk with my friends about that often, we created so many substances, so many behaviors, again, from TV to social media to but even relationships, you know, like Tinder, Swinder, whatever that, that next thing became drug-like. It's like, you know, you swipe, you get into this fast relationship, you get this dopamine spike, and then you, you kind of uh, go to on to the next thing. And you never get deeper into the intricacies, difficulties, going through ups and downs and working on things. We kind of start eliminating the hard work that was required to, I don't know, uh, cook your food and prepare your meals, right? And then enjoy it. And then uh, at work, uh, work hard to achieve your goals and be okay with feeling discomfort and that it sucks and it's boring. We kind of created this life filled with pleasures. And Anna Lemke, that um, expert on addiction, on dopamine, she says, because of that, because we hit our pleasure centers so high, so much, so often, the brain to reach the balance actually starts hitting on the different on the opposite side, bringing the, uh, what she called gremlins or those mm, trying to bring negative feelings from anxiety to depression, kind of to find a balance. And once you start accepting a more, once you create a less drugified life experience, I also, by the way, folks, eliminated Netflix out of my life uh, because that forced me to work on things, to work on relationships, to study more, to um, fix my business, a lot of things. When you remove easy pleasures from food to entertainment, so all of a sudden, you're going to start paying attention to things that are important in your life. But let's get back to weight loss, to a low dopamine diet. So your assignment for if you decide to take this journey, to take this adventure on, if you decide to try out this test, and folks, if you are sick of going through this roller coaster with weight loss, with overeating, with, I don't know, binge consumption of anything, eliminate that thing for at least a month. I recommend six months, a year, if you want to really rewire a relationship with that thing. By the way, now nowadays, I don't have that rule, but 
Number one, I don't ever want to eat that crap. Number two, when I eat a piece of cake uh, on occasion, I don't have that response. I don't feel like I need to eat the whole cake. I didn't think it was possible, and it was. And all of that because I rewired my dopamine circuits to work different way. So now I'm not triggered by those substances anymore. Who knows, you know, if I start consuming it regularly, it might happen again, but not anymore. I'm normal around food, finally. It's been, I don't know, like five years since since the whole thing happened. No, probably even more. Yeah, probably closer to six or seven years. So, but it, it was wonderful. So folks, if you decide to take this step forward to... Um, test yourself to take on this challenge. It's going to suck. It's going to be challenging, but it's going to be worth it. I promise you that. And it's the only way that you can rewire your brain for the behaviors, for the decisions that are going to move your life forward instead of going through this cycle of avoidance and fixing everything with easy drug-like substances, food, or entertainment. And again, for specifically for a weight loss, number one, make sure you know how to eat the essentials, your, all your vitamins, minerals, proteins, fats, and you can get in touch to schedule our consultation where I will advise you how to do that. And number two, eat low dopamine diet, meaning eat full in their most natural state, cook them in a boring way, and see what happens. Take this test at least for a month and see what happens. Next week, folks, stay tuned. We're going to go through the reminding uh, remaining pillars of um, low dopamine diet or brain-centered weight loss that has to do with sleep, that has to do with emotional regulation, with stress management, and that also has some tricks and things that I have up my sleeve that um, I learned also affect your appetite and how well you can control it and how well you can maintain ideal body weight without having to count calories, worry about like carbs or fats, whatever. So stay tuned next week for this week. Maybe take this experiment, take this challenge, maybe at least for this weekend, see what happens. Uh, see how your mood goes up and down, energy, etc. It's going to be an interesting experiment. Pillar number two of low dopamine diet or brain-centered weight loss is all about eating boring food as it is, you know, as it comes from nature, unprocessed, not drugified. If you have any questions, please reach out. And folks, don't forget that if you learned something useful on this podcast, please share, please review, Please rate. This is the best thing ever you can do for me. And other than that, have an awesome weekend. And again, take this experiment. Don't dragify your experience. Just take life as it is. No easy entertainment, no easy food, and see what happens. Have an awesome weekend, and I'll talk to you very soon. Angela, your brain's coach.